0: Welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Richmond Tiger Cast. I'm your host, Michaels, and with me tonight we have a, a very special guest. He was picked 27 in the 1995 draft to the Adelaide Crows, where he played 104 games and kicked 44 goals, and was a two-time premiership player. And then he moved across to the Tigers playing 116 games, kicking 32 goals, and was the captain between 2005 and 2008. Kane Johnson, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. Uh, Now, even though this is a a Richmond-based podcast, we will touch on your your history at Adelaide because it is a pretty important part of your career and some pretty exciting times there. So you're you're taken at pick 27 in the 95 draft. Did you have much contact from other clubs in the lead-up to the draft?
1: uh yeah so so obviously the process like um with all players that are uh, prospective draft picks you get contacted by a lot of um yeah different clubs and they come and speak to the family and meet the family and um yeah put you through sort of questionnaires and you have the draft camp and all those type of things so yeah there was quite a few clubs that we spoke to but um probably the main ones in the end was um was Adelaide who showed a lot of interest and Colin Collingwood also showed a lot of interest and said they potentially would take me at pick 10 um and then they ended up going with Prestige Como at pick 10 and then fell through to adelaide at 27 so i think that no, collingwood was preparing to take me with their next pick which is just after okay. 20 27 i think so yeah it was either yeah adelaide or collingwood in the end but um yeah ended up at
0: adelaide and once the draft was complete what was the process in organizing to, to make the move over to adelaide
1: uh, it was pretty quick. So at the time I was actually an electrical, um, had a, was doing an electrical apprenticeship with, um, with a company um, that was working on the new Crown Casino. So I was actually on the day of the draft, I was actually working so I didn't actually watch it or anything. And um, I had to give Dad a call on, on Smoker and see what was happening and uh, he told me I was going to Adelaide. And then, uh, yeah, it all happened pretty quick. So by the time um, I'd spoken to Dad, um, John Reed and Robert Shaw, who was the coach, were actually on site coming to see me, so they come and saw me. Wow! And then uh, met them, and then yeah, basically it was within a two or three weeks. I think I had to get over there because um, pre-season was starting, so it was a massive change. For I was only 17 at the time, so I had another year of under-18s um, football. So yeah, it was big. I still remember going to the airport and having to say goodbye to the family, and we were pretty close knit, like all young families are and uh yeah it was a it was pretty stressful and uh, emotional time um but also really exciting and um yeah a new adventure was about to begin but it was sort of a lot of the unknown which is just yeah it's tough to sort of deal with as a 17 year old
0: yeah absolutely and how, how were the crows in terms of helping you settle in obviously moving state as you said is a pretty big thing to do were they pretty welcoming and pretty good about it all
1: yeah, look, they, they were. They were a great club and there was always um, – they had to be you know welcoming and, and do the right thing because it's really hard to keep players in the state, especially um, people that come from Melbourne because they always want to potentially come back to the place that they grew up and play footy there. But um, when I was drafted, there was Brent Williams um, got drafted, Ash Burney got drafted both from Melbourne as well from the same competition that we got drafted from the BSFL. Um, And then Matt Collins, who was a year older, was over there and there was quite a few Victorians um, actually over there at the time. So we ended up actually living together um, for the first year or so, um, which worked quite well, but we're probably a little bit young to to defend for ourselves. And then um, I ended up moving in with uh, Peter Vardy, um, who was a more mature player who sort of looked after me for the first couple of years and we became really good friends. Um, but yeah, look, the crows were great. James Fantasia was, was was amazing, and is still a really good friend of mine now. Um, who was the recruiting manager back then, um, and John Reed and all those types were were fantastic. And they were just a great club. They, they you know did things well off the field and on the field back in those days, and still do.
0: It's oh, probably definitely helped having a few other Melbourne boys go over the same time as well. That, that, yeah, that would have made it a lot easier.
1: Yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah, look, I played um, Till Cup with with Brent Williams um, that year, so we, we knew each other, and then um, I knew Matt. At Collins from the year before and Teal Cup. So when you've got those connections already, not the you know, great mates or anything, but you've got that connection and have played some footy with them, it does make things a lot easier.
0: Yeah, just to have that familiar face. Um, yeah. You obviously had a pretty you know, well-decorated crew at the Crows. The, the prelim final against the Bulldogs in 97 was one of the all-time great finals games. Did you think you guys were out of it early on? Because they were sort of on top of you a fair bit.
1: Yeah, look uh, look that year we sort of we did come from behind a little bit in, in a lot of games and, and one of the beliefs that we had was we could always win we are always in it and um the way Malcolm Blight and Neil Craig trained us in the pre-season we always backed in our fitness over everyone else because we trained really really hard and we always knew that um you know we only had to be within a certain distance so we could always come home and um yeah, but they did. They got it in front of us a fair bit in that 97 prelim, but uh, look, our good players stood up in the, in the last half, like Jarman and, and McLeod, like they did through those final series, and when, when your good players are playing well, you're always a chance. Um, but we only just scraped over the line for that one, which was, which was really lucky.
0: And don't sell yourself short as well. You had some pretty pivotal moments in that game. The tackle on Scotty West as he was streaming forward and then lace out past the Jarman with two minutes to go. What was the feeling like after the siren went, after just mounting that epic comeback?
1: Yeah, it was massive. It was probably, you know, if I look back over my career, it's probably one of the biggest, biggest games and most um, celebrated wins, just because of that uh, come from behind and playing the Bulldogs, who were quite a cocky sort of team back then, and um, you know, let you, they certainly weren't uh, short of lip on the ground. So it was, uh, it was good to get over over the line, but um, and also to come come back and actually play a role and, and have some, you know, play. a sort of key um play a key role in those pivotal moments was was pretty good as well and um you know that's what the thing about blighty what he gave to us young blokes was he really backed us in um and made us believe in ourselves and made us feel like we belonged out there and um that really helped when the when the pressure was on and the big games were happening
0: absolutely and you obviously selected in the 97 98 grand finals for adelaide what was the moment like when you were told that you'd been selected for that 97 grand final
1: Yeah, so that was, um, so obviously we just come off that big win and I I still remember the the moment when we were running around, I think it was the Monday session, we were just having a bit of a casual kick out in the ground, I was kicking one of the boys at the other end and Blighty sort of walked up behind me and basically said, you ready to play on Harvey? And I sort of turned around and said, what? (laughs) And he goes, yeah, you'll be... uh, Running around with uh, Robert Harvey for the for the game, basically run with roll. And I hadn't really, I'd been doing run with rolls, but more sort of back line in and out of the midfield, but no sort of real particular tagging rolls on gun midfielders or anything. So uh, this was a first at that at that time. And um, Robert Harvey had just come off a of brand low um, that night, the night before when he told me. So it was just like, okay, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, <laughs> so basically didn't sleep for that week. But uh, look, I was really excited as well because. At the end of the day, you're going to play on the best player in the competition. He's going to lead you to the ball, and he's going to teach you a lot of things. And um, it was almost like a you know I couldn't really lose in the end. It was just go out and have a crack and see what happens. Um, you know, and, and he, he still had a really good game. He still had you know thirty odd possessions, and you know, I think they probably weren't as clean as what he'd had in the past because the boys really helped me out in the field and um, made sure that he wasn't as clean. But um, look, it was a great experience and one that I'll never forget. But yeah, it was a pretty nervous lead up to that uh, to that grand final. There wasn't a lot of sleep going on.
0: I can imagine, and winning the back-to-back flags obviously a really great achievement. Um, it might might be a difficult question to answer, but was one in any way better than the other in your opinion?
1: Uh, just both different. Um, the first one was obviously amazing because you'd never won one before. The club had never won one. It was we'd, we'd sort of made history with that with that game. Um, I think the '98 one was probably more. Uh, substantial because of who we played, um, playing North Melbourne, who were an amazing team in that time with Kerry and all, the, all those types uh, running around. And, you know, they had a pretty much a full side and, um, you know, we had one or two out, but pretty much a full side. So it was a it was a huge game in the 98 one. And coming off 97 where everyone said we could no one could ever go back to back um, was a pretty special moment. And I think we finished fifth in 98 as well. So it's a still... Um, yeah, when the grand final from fifth was, was pretty amazing. And, um, yeah, to beat North Melbourne was huge. And I, I still remember that probably was the one that I really cherished the most in terms of really hold high in terms of, um, yeah, overcoming it because it's probably most people didn't give us a chance,
0: to yeah, be honest. Was that used as, as motivation often during pre-season and the season as the weeks went on, the, the fact that people thought, you know, there was no chance you guys could do it again, was that, was that used as motivation for the playing group?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like, I think for us back then, like, it was a really interesting because Blighty was only there for two and a half years. So he came in at the end of 96 and for the 97. So we've won the grand final his first year and then um, obviously won it the second year as well. But it was a really um, amazing bonding time of a group of people that come together and really just – backed each other and got along really well off the field, on the field and support each other. And it was sort of like this, yeah, it was It's an amazing special time where the energy levels of everyone was always up and everyone sort of the confidence was always there that we could always achieve. Um, and that was through Blighty's coaching as well and, and that also having the, the confidence in our senior players that were pretty special. Um, They were pretty special running around at those times
0: And at the end of the 2002 season You requested a trade back to Melbourne Um, I suppose from a spectator point of view We probably see very little as to how a trade unfolds behind the scenes Uh, So how does it all work behind the scenes? Did you contact clubs or did they contact you? And how did it all go down?
1: Uh, yeah, so it was actually the year before I was potentially going to, um, to Richmond. So at the end of t- 2001, um, Ben Holland was potentially wanting to go back to South Australia um, and I was still, you know, I, I had my hand up to come back to Melbourne at some point in my career. Um, and, yeah, I spoke to Richmond and they said, yeah, look, we're happy to do this deal. And then I'd, my, I'd actually signed my end of the trade to go through and at the last minute Ben Holland had pulled out. Um, so it didn't go through, Um, so that was a little unfortunate because I was really ready to come home at that time and and obviously play for Richmond, and then, yeah, played another year at Adelaide, which was actually quite a blessing in disguise because I probably had my best year in that last year for Adelaide in that year and played probably my best football and we ended up playing in a prelim, which was good, Um, but then at the end of that year, I was still ready to come home and and actually Collingwood were the ones that were – probably talking to me the most throughout that year, Mick Malthouse and um, yeah, a few of the Collingwood people. So that was probably where my I thought I was heading um, at the end of the year. And it, was, it wasn't until right at the end where in the trade period, um, Danny Frawley and a few of the Richmond people um, and Greg Beck caught up with me and said that they were keen. And then in the end, Richmond could do a much better deal um, for Adelaide um, in terms of swaps and things like that. And and for me, it was probably more a heart decision to go to Richmond because that's what I bowed for as a, as a young bloke and, and thought that was probably the place I wanted to be. It was a bit of a dream to go there and um, and see what we could do and see if we could have some success at a club that I grew up barracking for.
0: Ah, that's always a nice story when you hear players supporting that club come back to the club. So, that, yeah, that would be an absolute fairy tale to, to get that done. Um, when you come across to the Tigers, what was it like coming across as a mature player? Was it just pretty easy to slot in? Because you kind of obviously played against all the players. So, was it pretty seamless?
1: Uh, yeah, look, it was. It, always. It's always tough early because it's a new club, new culture, new environment. Even just living in Adelaide compared to living back in Melbourne, you know, in the city. And, um, you know, everything was a little bit different in terms of even facilities and coaches and the way they actually played their footy compared to how Adelaide played their football. So there's definitely a little bit of an adjustment that had to happen. But um, yeah, as being a, a mature player, I did, it, you sort of uh, connected a little bit more to the other players at other clubs because you've been around a little bit longer. And um, I, I connected with a few of the boys, you know, really quickly like Richo and, you know, Tim Fleming at the time, Wayne Campbell um, and all these blokes. And it, it did make it really easy. And, um, yeah, I loved it. It didn't take too long. It was no, nothing like when I first went to Adelaide where it probably took me 18 months to, to acclimatise. It was it was much easier to come back to Richmond and, and slot in and start playing football. It was just a matter of um, trying to play the football that was successful.
0: And, I mean, you obviously made a pretty big impact on the club early. On because you are rewarded with the captaincy in 2005. Was being captain of a football club something you always strive to be?
1: Oh, to be honest, no. It wasn't something that I'd ever thought about. Um, you know, in juniors, I'd sort of captain clubs and Teal Cup. I was captain in, the, in my second year of Teal Cup and, um, yeah, yeah, I loved it and, and it was something that I really, um, you know, held it in high regard. But um, once I got to Richmond, I, I, I just, in senior football, I didn't really think about it too much to be honest, and um, yeah, Yeah, but once it sort of come up and and there was an opportunity to potentially be the captain, it was something that I certainly put my hand up for and was, um, yeah, willing to to have a go at it and you know there's a lot that comes with being a captain of a football club especially an AFL club it's not just what you do on the field it's everything else that comes with it and dealing with media and supporters and fans and board members and you know all those type of things so it was definitely a step up from what I was used to in terms of just preparing for yourself and your own game Um, yeah it was a step up but it was um, yeah something that was um, there, there to be uh, had a crack
0: at, had a crack at. What, what's, what's, the, uh, what's the process undertaken to become a captain do they just say look we're open for anyone wanting to put their hand up and it was just voted how does that all work
1: yeah, it was at that time, it was Terry Wallace's first year. So he came in and, um, yeah, he was ready to, to go in a new direction and get some new leaders and, um, you know, set the tone for a, for a whole new sort of culture and, and process over the, over the next coming years. And um, it ended up being that um, I can't actually remember the actual process at the start, but it, I think that the boys voted on who they thought would be um, potential leaders and the coaches then eventually basically said there was four Um, potential captains, um, which was myself, Matthew Richardson, Joel Bowden, and Nathan Brown. Um, Basically, the coaches put us through a whole pre-season of – training um and and tests in a way to see who would uh, stand up and, and become the eventual captain um so that was some personality profiles you know putting us in situations throughout the pre-season and um you know then talking to players and club um player votes and all that type of thing and then collating all the information and coming out with, with um who they thought would be the best to, to serve the club moving forward which you know gratefully ended up being myself um yeah there you
0: go did you feel like there was a lot more added pressure once you were given the captaincy like did your role within the team change or were you able just to sort of go about business as usual when you're on the field
1: yeah look and part of that process of getting to know who i was and the other boys were um as a leader was understanding that probably my style of leadership wasn't going to be a you know like a really it's probably more a do as I do as I do, not do as I say and and an overspoken type person. I was quite a quiet person. Um, It was all about um, hopefully leading by my actions and things like that. And, um, you know, Terry was great in that way and and everyone else was just like, they just wanted me to keep playing the way I played and and do what I was doing because that's why I ended up being captain. So um, there's no doubt that that was how how I went about the captaincy, but, there's no doubt that other pressures do come with being the captain, like from a personal performance but also a team performance and um, you know all the extra responsibilities of functions and things like that that you have to um, adhere to, which does add a little bit more pressure and was something you had to get used to. Oh,
0: I think that the leadership style you went with was perfect. Like it's it's so invaluable to see a captain out there doing the hard yards themselves. It's just so easy to, to see why other people will just follow you into battle. So like, that's definitely the, the best method. Um, being captain as well, the club, obviously, had the t- tradition in place where the captain would wear number 17, and obviously being a Richmond fan growing up, you obviously knew what that meant. Um, how special was that to be to be given the number 17 jumper?
1: Yeah, it was, and it only just came in. Probably the year or two before I became captain, so Wayne Campbell sort of took the 17. Not long before I became captain, and yeah, I remember when he first did it. It was a pretty special moment for the club, and obviously recognizing um, the importance of Jack Dye's contribution to the club over a, a long period of time. And he was obviously a long time before me, but you know, Dad always spoke about him as, as you know the, and revered him as the, the legend of the club. And um, you know, to be able to wear the number 17 was was amazing, and obviously it's. Yeah, it was something that felt a little bit heavy at the start. You're like, oh, can you live up to the expectations of someone like Jack Dyer? But in the end, it's um, you know, it's it's a number that um, you know you just go out and hopefully play the the way he would want you to play and um, the way the club sort of needed you to play. So, obviously, Trent cochin has gone in a different direction, which is his choice and. Um You know, everyone's different and that's what we've got to respect in this day and age. Everyone's got to be able to do things the way they want to do that's the best for them and the best for the football club.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what were the um, biggest challenges you faced as being captain?
1: Um, Probably just combining personal performance and and still getting the most out of myself while still having to concentrate on the broader club and team and um, all the other aspects that come with it. Um, I was a really diligent you know a trainer and um really took pride in um you know all the um you know all the small things that I had to do to get myself to be a good player, um, and I, I think the, the hardest challenge was making sure I kept doing those things and not getting taken away from that because I had to deal with other things that were going on within the club as being a captain. Um, so that they were challenges, um, and then also dealing with um, you know fellow teammates when you know trying to keep the, the, the whole team you know going in the one direction, and especially when the chips are down a little bit and the teams teams losing, trying to make sure that we keep heading in that one direction that we all believe in. Um, You know, there was some challenging times there. And um, yeah, so look, there's many challenges with captaincy, with being the captain. But um, probably the main thing was just making sure that I kept playing good football.
0: And and that you did because your 2006 season, um, you won the Jack Dyer medal, which was a great achievement. What, What was that achievement meaning to you? Like, was that just a great night all around?
1: Yeah, like yeah, it was. It was. It was a different year for me, actually. 2006, I actually basically became a tagger for the whole year and um, was running around with all the best players, um, which I was probably the previous three or four years was playing my own game and a little bit run with every now and then if we needed it. But um, you know, 2006, Terry Wallace just really wanted me to lock down the best players, and he saw that that was probably the best opportunity for me to. For me to play my best football and probably the best way for the club to get the most benefit out of me, um, and yeah, it was it was it was a good year in terms of I played on some great players and uh, had some great duels, but um, probably never thought I was going to win the you know best of fairest you know, being a tagger, but um, in the end it was a really special night to, to win that. But probably more special for me was winning the um, the uh, most valuable clubman for that year, um, which meant overall club person, so the contribution to the whole club, which probably meant a lot more And, and in terms of because I was trying to develop my leadership across the board, not just on field but off field, and that probably, um, yeah, that was a special moment just because it just meant that I'd been recognized Nice for for the growth probably that I'd gone through.
0: Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you mentioned obviously you changed into the tagging role. Did you prefer the yep. tagging role, or would you have rather played with that freedom for that for your whole career?
1: Oh, look, I think it just like like life, things change and 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 turn or You just got to keep rolling with it. And um, you know, I was a tagger. Um, a little bit with under Blighty, just a little bit every now and then. And then, you know, then I'd got freed up and started being a more offensive player, which was great. But then there was times where I had to be more defensive and look at the time, it it didn't bother me as long as I was um, being effective in my role for the team. And and still, I was always enjoying my football. And there's always, when you were tagging someone, there's great challenges. And when you had the freedom, you had the freedom to, you know, be the instigator, instigator of, um, you know, positive, um, you know, offense plays and things like that. So yeah, look, all all roles are great.
0: The game I want to sort of talk about in, I think it happened in 2006, but I'm I'm pretty sure he didn't actually play this game was the game against Adelaide. In fact, where it was the, the basketball kind of style of play. What uh, we obviously won the game. So brilliant, but how did that week unfold? What, where did Terry come up with the idea? And how did the playing group receive it when he tried to explain it to them?
1: Yeah, like it was a big week. I didn't play that game. I was um, I was out that week. But um, yeah, look, Terry was a he was a, he was an innovator. There's no doubt about that. He always come up with new strategies and new ideas and, and ways to beat teams. Especially, you always had a knack of being able to beat the top teams at, at times when no one thought you could beat them. Um, you know, with coming up with, with new strategies, and um, you know, he spoke to us about it early in the week and, and said that this is the way we can beat them. And you know, he sold a really good story and you know to the boys credit they they played it to a tee absolutely to a tee like i've never seen before and i think i can remember joel Baden played a pivotal role in that game and um you know ended up getting over the line which which was massive because adelaide were having a huge year um and we were struggling at that time and it was it was a really really amazing win for the boys and and credit to terry wallace he um you know he had the idea and, and then the credit to the boys to actually play it out
0: It was. It was just. It was quite amazing to watch. (laughs) It was the the other game. Well, the other moment, I suppose, that a a lot of Richmond people might unfortunately remember. You four was when you uh, accidentally kicked the ball fifty meters the wrong way against Carlton that game. What was uh, (laughs) what, what was going on there?
1: Yeah, well, I don't really know to be honest. <laughs> it was one of those moments where you just like you look back and you think, how the hell did that happen? Um, but the first the first thing that happened when I kicked it, I thought, God, that's a good kick I've never kicked a Torby that far before. <laughs> And then I realised it was about to hit Pev on the chest, and then I realised it was actually going the wrong way, and I was like, "Oh god, how did that happen?" But to be honest, like it was just one of those things where I just must—I just lost my my, my bearings yep. in that split second, um, yeah, and kicked it the wrong way. So it was, um, yeah, unfortunate. It was round one, first kick of the season. Isn't everyone watching, <laughs> everyone's going to remember it. Yeah. <laughs> it was just one of those big moments in life, you know. where, you, Yeah, it was oh, a bit embarrassing uh, at the time, but uh, at you least know, look, that's that's life. That's that's football. That's life, and you know, I think it was unfortunate because you know, we wanted to set the right tone for the year, but it, uh, yeah, obviously, it um, didn't set that time very well.
0: Did you, did you cop much shit on the field for that from the opposition?
1: Oh, they actually weren't too bad. They, they said a couple of things for the first sort of five minutes or so. I think Feb had a good laugh at me and um, a couple of the other boys, but they weren't too bad, to be honest.
0: Um, oh, no, it's so good. There's it
1: it probably more supporters than that after it. They, <laughs> sort of, they rub it in for a while, there's
0: no doubt about that. Oh, well, we can all laugh better yeah. now, so that's the good thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you retired in June 2009 and stuck around in a development role with the club until the end of the yeah. year. What was involved with the development role?
1: Yeah, so that that happened. Obviously, Terry Wallace um, moved on that year. I think it was in June. And, um, yeah, Jade Rawlings stepped up to the senior coaching role, which left a gap in the development role. Um, so I'd retired just after Terry Wallace left. And, um, yeah, they were keen for me to take over that development role. And at that time, I was, I was really enjoying – it was probably one of the, the best parts of being captain was being able to work with um, – you know, a lot of the younger players and help develop them as, as people and, and footballers. And um, yeah, it was something that I, I really wanted to try and it gave me a great chance to have a look at working inside a football club in that role for those three or four months before I, um, you know, my contract had run out. Um, and yeah, basically just worked alongside uh, Craig McRae, who was coach of the VFL side back then, and um, worked with him really closely on game day, and then around the club, and doing a lot of the work with um, a lot of the, the new kids, which was which was awesome. Um, but it probably made me realise too that um, I needed to get away from football as well. I'd, I'd probably been in the system, you know, 14 or 15 years, and had you know, needed needed a bit of a break from the game and just to freshen up and do something different because I was just getting a little bit a um, little bit stale inside and the way sort of, you know, it was a bit of a a, a rough period at that time when, you know, Terry Wallace had left and, you know, there's a whole new direction of the club and I just felt like I needed to get out and step aside and let the, the place go in a new direction.
0: And then speaking of the, the life after football, um, is that kind of what led you to, to go on your trip to China? I read a little bit about that, that it kind of just changed, mm. it opened up, you know, a few opportunities for you.
1: Yeah, so once I stepped away from football, you know, I wanted to travel a little bit and not just travel and just see the world but actually um, have some experiences and try some different things and put myself into situations where I could, you know, learn and grow and and hopefully find out what I wanted to do post-football. And – yeah, through Troy Simmons um, came with us and then another friend of ours who was battling with cancer at the time and passed away a few years ago. But, you know, we were just looking to do something different and something that could train the mind and help Peter, who was who was struggling with cancer at the time. And then Troy was heavily into his sort of Shaolin, um, you know, martial arts and things like that so there was an opportunity to go over to China and and, and train with the monks um so we went over there and trained with them for I think it was six weeks we stayed on campus um basically doing everything that the monks do sleeping on beds with no mattresses no pillows um waking up at 6 a.m doing tai chi every morning at 6 a.m then doing all your forms all day so training all day all your physical sort of um shaolin kung fu forms and um you know Chinese boxing. And then at the end of the day, doing a qigong meditation at the at the end of the day. Um, and it was just, it was, a, it was an amazing experience that probably changed the course of my life in terms of just, I'd never really tried meditation and qigong and tai chi and practices like that. And the first day I practiced them, I just knew that there was, this was where I wanted to go, um, you know, for my future. And, you know, I was training it every day. And then when I got back to Melbourne, um, I ended up, yeah, finding a master of qigong and meditation in Melbourne here in Brunswick and then trained un- under him ever since for the last sort of eight years um, and then started doing nutrition sort of um yeah, courses and lifestyle courses and life coaching and health coaching, and then started my business, Chi Lab, which was working with um, first working with athletes one on one, helping them find their balance and and their and their mental clarity to be able to perform their best on on game day, um, and then um, yeah started working doing high performance programs for for corporates and um, yeah businesses and things like that, and now I'm working full time at Sano Health, uh, running basically designing and running. Um, holistic well-being programs, um, which is, yeah, it's really great. We get to see a lot of change in people, help people be as healthy as they can and perform at their best. Um, and then on the side, I'm still doing the Chi Lab stuff where I'm running sort of men's retreats. Uh, we've got a men's retreat coming up in November. So it's a health retreat with 20, 20 men going down to the Great Ocean Road um, for the weekend, sort of going through a whole heap of different practices and conversations and, you know, nature walks and mindfulness and things like that. So. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. It's been a, it's been a big journey and a, and a bit of a change from football, but um, you know all the lessons I learnt out of football, the good, the bad, everything like that has certainly been the platform for, for
0: where I'm going now. And, and if anyone's keen to sort of give this kind of um, stuff a try, where can they sort of find more information and contact you?
1: Yeah, so I've got a website, Chi Lab. So, C-H-I-L-A-B, cheerlab.com.au. Um, so, that's, that's my personal sort of business that I sort of do one-on-one and, and group stuff with and, and the retreats. And then Sano Health is S-A-N-O health.com.au. That's more the uh, corporate bigger business um, team sort of programs. Um, all, all around health, resilience, well-being. Oh,
0: yeah, it's definitely definitely a good market to get into because workplaces are obviously always trying to get the absolute best out of their their staff and I think all of those things that you're looking after definitely help help that happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, we're working with some pretty big businesses at the moment like realestate.com.au, Origin Energy, um, Australia Post and basically working with teams within those organizations to to get them to be at high, higher performance, you know, um, improve their productivity but also also, from our point of view, improve their health and make sure they live a long, happy, balanced life
0: is the main thing. So. And in amongst all your, your busy work life, do you still keep an eye on the Tigers and how they're going?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, obviously got a soft spot for Adelaide, but, you know, Richmond's obviously my number one team, having yeah. uh, barricade for them since I was a, a little boy. But, um, look, it's, it's obviously been a, a, a tough road being a Richmond supporter, like a Richmond <laughs> yeah. supporter for the last 30 <laughs> years. Yeah you know I, I, you can just say there's a huge difference in them this, this year in terms of their their positivity and their output and their and their you know their want and they just look like they've really they've really stepped up and um, turned the corner in terms of um, yeah their attitude and the way they go about it and you know it's, this year's as good a chance as, as any because it's a really even competition um, this year so if they can finish in you know which they probably will top three or four um, gives themselves a really really good chance to, to hopefully um, go as far as they can in September
0: and yeah, well, I mean Every every chance that we'll actually play Adelaide in the finals, who do you go for? Who do you go for if that happens? We just follow football and just cheer that on.
1: Oh, look at the end of the day, I think I'd want Richmond to win. Um, there's no doubt about that. I think they're my, they're my team, and um, obviously if Adelaide do win. It's not as bad as someone else beating them, but um, obviously Richmond's the ones that you know. And I think the story behind Richmond, if they do have some success, you know, eventually with, um, you know, grand finals and things like that, it's just, it's going to be great for football and great for, great for especially the Melbourne City. It's
0: not going to be great for every other team because we're going to take no. over the town. No. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. It'll be fun. That's all. So I think this, this final series should be, should be a lot of fun because if we can finish top four, we at least get two finals. Yeah. Um, you win one, you're straight to the prelim. Like it's, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity that and and, and, and Credit to them that they actually got themselves in this position. Yeah, it's huge.
0: And before we let you go, we've just got a, a couple of questions from one of the, the posters on the big footy board. So his poster name is Elton Johnswick. So his first question was, What was your greatest achievement at Richmond?
1: Well, I think what I mentioned before was probably um, in 2006 being the most valuable person at the club, which um, meant on field, off field, um, just the greatest con- contribution from a, you know, even right across from a CEO to football, to everything. So, um, yeah, that was the one that I really hold dearly just because it just meant that I'd, um, you know, I'd grown as a person and, and um, had been contributing in, in all facets of the club, not just on the field. So I was really proud of that one.
0: Fair enough. And his second question was, who was the best player you played with from both Adelaide and Richmond?
1: Uh, yeah, good question. Um, definitely Adelaide would be... Well, it's a toss-up between Darren Jarman and Andrew McLeod, but probably Darren Jarman. He was just amazing to to play with and train with and just some of the things he could do was just beyond anyone I'd ever seen before um, and what he did in the grand finals, in both grand finals, kicking five five goals in the last half and last quarters basically was uh, was huge and just something you'd never forget. And as a young player, it was just awesome to, to be a part of. Um, but obviously you got Andrew McLeod, Rashudo, Ren. There, there was, a lot of good players there that was, um, yeah, you could almost put in that bracket. Yeah, but, it's a good um, list. And then at Richmond, um, yeah, it's a good list. And then at Richmond, it was, you know, I'd have to say in terms of star factor and, and being able to turn a game and, and win games off their own boot um, would have to be Richard by mile. Um, he was a mile. He was an awesome player when he was up and going. Um, and then, you know, I think the player that I probably could have been amazing but probably got cut short a little bit with injury is probably Mark Coglin. Yeah. Um, he had that... X factor and that star factor about him um, that could have been special if he um, if his body had a held up, but unfortunately, um, yeah, it didn't, and uh, yeah, which is which is sad for Richmond because um, he was one of those players that could have you know really created success just just through the way he
0: played. Absolutely, and uh, a lot of Richmond supporters mm. definitely haven't forgotten about him, oh, and it's oh, still God. often spoken mm. about what could have been. So yeah absolutely oh Cain, thank you very much for coming I really appreciate your time to, to answer those questions and um, yeah we wish you all the best in the business going forward and hopefully the Tigers can yeah. get in, get into the finals and cause some damage
1: yeah no I'm sure we will I think it's a, definitely our best opportunity this year and I think um, you know obviously we've still got this weekend to go and yeah exciting times hopefully we uh, play off in a grand final against Adelaide and we win absolutely <laughs> great. All right. no thanks again for your time mate I appreciate it
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Bigfooty Tigercast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roast and toast, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!